This is Grow and Thrive, a call to action. I am Moss Okediji. I work in marketing at Intuit. And I'm Brianna Marias. I also work in marketing at Intuit. On this show, we provide you with insights and practical applications to help you thrive as a modern marketer and communicator. Product marketing is a critical craft that unlocks the full potential of delighting customers and delivering strategic value to the business. However, it's also a discipline that could mean different things at various companies. Yes, and today we're joined by two talented product marketers and a product manager who will give us the behind the scenes of what it means to deliver value as a product marketer, especially at Intuit. They're at different stages in their careers, they work in different roles at the company, and they each bring different backgrounds with them to create some pretty delightful experiences for customers we serve. So to start, we have Andrea Bacazzi, Group Product Marketing Manager at Intuit. Hi, Andrea. Hello. So happy to have you. And then we have Jessica Chang, a Product Marketing Manager at Intuit. Hey, Jessica. Hello there. Thank you for having me. So nice to have you. And we have Justin Brock returning to chat with us again now that he's transitioned from marketing to a role in product on TurboTax and Credit Karma. Hi, friend. Hello. Thanks for having me. So let's start with you all telling us about a day in your life as a PMM, Andrea and Jessica. Yeah, so I've been doing product marketing for a handful of years now, and the truth is there's a lot of things that vary within the discipline, right? You mentioned that it's not always a concrete definition, and it looks a little bit different at different companies, which I've definitely experienced. But one of the things that I think is very consistent is you are constantly working with cross-functional partners, leading a lot of meetings, and really just defining who that target customer is and how you're going to connect the right products to the right individuals and your target customer. (laughs) And you, Jessica? Yeah, plus one to what um, Andrea just said. I really like sports and I sometimes feel like product marketing is almost like a quarterback. It's not like you have one thing that you have to focus every day, every time. It's more of there are multiple things that you need to focus on. For example, working with product managers to optimize experience, working with design team, working with research team to understand your target customers, working with lifecycle marketing team to understand what campaigns you want to have. And ultimately, the problems that we're trying to solve is one, understand what we are in the market to understand who the target customers are. And then we can feed that into how we win, why we win, and eventually go to market. Justin, you recently transitioned to a role in product management. What about the transition to product management has surprised you the most? I think one of the things that has surprised me the most about the transition, specifically kind of in in my role that straddles two separate products um, that have kind of two separating operating rhythms is really navigating and balancing how do we think about all the different partners we have to work with while keeping the customer at the center. There are often mm-hmm. competing priorities. I think everybody has grappled with and those those resources tend to change when you're in the most critical and impactful work. And then how do you find the right partnership with your PMM partners and other partners to say, who is the right audience and what is the experience we're building to really deliver that value to them? Yeah, it's very important to have, you know, shared goals and objectives. I mean, that's the ideal, but sometimes you would have to compete. And might I say, like, even within, you know, cross-functional teams as Andrea and Jessica, you know, talked about earlier, you have competing priorities. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about, you know, if you could share what it means 
to delight customers and drive strategic business value through the product marketing craft. You all have mentioned having the customer at the center. It's been the focus for you, for Justin, for Jessica and Andrea. So can you dig into this a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I feel like we definitely run a lot of tests to making sure that whatever concept that we want to deliver to customer make the most sense. And then visiting into it, we have this awesome D4D principles, which is designed for delight. I feel like a lot of product managers, they really master that principles. So for marketers, we learn from them and then we experience together and implement a lot of tests. Uh, for my product, for example, this is a new invoice financing product called Get Paid Front. Before we launch to customers, we have done several rounds of messaging tests just to see what reason to believe statement works the best with customers and they really resonate the messaging that we're trying to push. So I just feel like being able to deploy a lot of tests and then design the tests in a way that can lead to meaningful uh, results. That's one thing that I really learned a ton from Intuit in order to deliver this delightful experience to customers. You know, I think Intuit does a really amazing job giving us the right toolbox with human-centered design methodologies. I've been really fortunate to work at a lot of companies that are very customer-obsessed. But one of the things that makes Intuit incredibly unique is that they really provide every one of our employees with design for delight and customer-driven innovation. So it's really this awesome way for us to really make sure that we're centering our work around the customer. And it's really empowering to have these tools at your disposal. It's really our way of making sure that we're always working backwards from the customer. And I think it's really what leads to being able to innovate and really be able to build a company that builds that loyalty and trust with our customers. That's awesome. And that's what helps us drive, you know, business outcomes that are exceptional. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Jessica, I know that we talked a little bit about the collaboration that's required in your role. And I wanted to do a click down about partnership. So Justin, can you talk a little bit about what your definition of a successful partnership would be between a product manager and a product marketing? Yeah, I'm being on this side of the fence now. Mm -hmm. I work extremely close with our PMMs because they are critical partners in helping us really identify how do we think about positioning our different offerings? How do we think about the different value props? How do we think about our different customer segments? And then through deep collaboration, I'm able to lend the product expertise to say, here's how we can now identify these people within our product. Here are different experiences that are right for these different customers and even explore with them what are new opportunities that maybe we haven't thought of or haven't explored before in all the potential touch points in our product. So we can really build that connected experience that we can accelerate the promise to payoff process and that we delight customers through our initial messaging that grabbed their attention, that got them interested to say, hey, this can solve a problem for me. And then we're paying that off with the product and the product experience. And so we work very, very closely with them and full transparency. Like I could not do my job without a good PMM. Yay. They help so <laughs> much that, you know, it's one like I can go and build product experiences. We can do deep customer interviews, empathy, but help having them really lend that expertise from the market perspective what is our competition doing? How do we think about positioning new features, new products against them so that we can be competitive in this space and then really deliver that benefit? And that's where the core integration really comes in between the two groups. Yeah. Jessica, when you are thinking about the market research you're doing and the value propositions, how do you think about bringing that information 
successfully to your product managers? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like we have the same goal, which is to bring this world class experience to customers. And I have to admit, there's tension too, just like. Every other organization, right? Sales and marketing, you always have tensions, but those tensions are good because that's what you really help you arrive at the optimal decisions. So when I have all the research pieces, I'll make sure that I answer the question in the way that is convincing and in a way that can bring extra customer value on the table. And then you will have a discussion with the product manager and see how can we incorporate what type of feedback and order of prioritization into the product roadmap. And then eventually we'll optimize the experience together. So I feel like I really resonate with a lot of what Justin just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Neither of us can do our job in the best way without each other. So we respect each other's work. There's tension. We sometimes argue against each other, but then we always arrive with the optimal decision and solution for the customer. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you have to find that common ground in order to move forward. Andrew, do you have anything you'd Yeah, I love what Justin said, because I feel the exact same way on the flip side of that is like, I couldn't do product marketing work and really great product marketing work without the incredible product managers that I work with. And I think a lot of that is really earning trust and kind of building out that relationship. Because Mm -hmm. as Jessica mentioned, there is some tension, right? On at the end of the day, sometimes you have slightly different goals on and also how you kind of see something coming to market, right? Not every single thing, let's say a little feature that maybe we know doesn't have a really large target customer, maybe we shouldn't be screaming it from the rooftops. So how do we kind of (laughs) come to that compromise. And so I think that when you have kind of that trust built with one another and you have a really great partnership is really where then you can start to respectfully challenge one another. And I think that as long as you're keeping the customer at the core of what you're doing, you're really truly creating a seamless customer experience. And it doesn't really stop with product marketing and product management. As Jessica mentioned earlier, you know, it's really a lot of cross-functional teams coming together. So what does that look like from sales, customer service, Mm -hmm. um, and design? to really build out these great end-to-end customer experiences. Yeah, that's a perfect segue actually into what I wanted to discuss next because this is very much a cross-functional collaboration. If you could each talk about, you know, the best partnership or maybe even a process that you have experienced between product marketing and other marketing disciplines. So maybe it's sales, you know, maybe it's channel marketing, you know, Maybe it's, you know, web marketing or any of the other channels. Can you describe, you know, what has worked for you? Yeah. What steps will you never, ever skip? (laughs) I think kickoff calls are really important to have early on bringing everybody in because everybody does bring such a different perspective and point of view and, and really expertise to the table. So really depending on those folks to kind of help guide the way, especially as you're really building out what that go-to-market plan should look like and leaning on, you know, your lifecycle marketers, channel marketers, and and so forth to bring that expertise to really help you kind of craft what the right go-to-market strategy is. And I, I also think that's in addition and beyond marketing as well and how I really like to partner with folks like sales as well, because I think part of product marketing really is that sales enablement piece too at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I also feel like it's important to share all the foundational research that you have done previously, yeah. because it normally takes some time for a product to trickle down from an idea to eventually go to market. Right. And by the time when the channel marketing partners start to decide what type of campaign we want to do to push this product out, it's been some time, and they don't have all the full context. So we have to bring them up to speed with all of the research insight and saying, "Hey, this is the." Summary of the customer problem. This is the firmographics that we have seen within this customer segment, and this is how we think are the best messaging that we decided to go to market with through the messaging hierarchy that we created. So really bring them along in the process so that they understand exactly why are we doing this. So the why and what are like so important to the channel marketing team, so that eventually they will bring all the information into deciding the how. And I think that. Partnership is really important, and I do think Intuit did a good job where we have a lot of process in place to help us making sure that we understand the why, the what, the how from different perspectives. The context setting is key for sure. I think that's、yeah. such a great one, and and documentation, like you mentioned, Jessica. I think we can all do better in terms of documentation.、Um, <laughs> that's such a huge one to bring everybody along on that journey and get people up to speed. Right, and I see how that can create space for curiosities and have those, you know, discussions, you know, because they're、yeah. important. And Justin, how about from your perspective? How does you know this collaboration come to life even outside the scope of product marketing? I'll just kind of build on what Andrea, Jessica, I like all great points, and it really is. I found kind of this full circle communication where you bring people along on the journey initially. Then, when you're running these tests, you're getting these additional findings. You're getting this additional information. You circle back with those key partners. A good example is right. You're working with devs. They do so much incredible work to help build out these experiences, but oftentimes they don't get to see the end result of that. And so,、mm-hmm. the more you can bring them along, analysts along, your PMM partners, your channel partners, your researchers. It is all accretive learning for everybody, and you end up with new viewpoints. You end up with a healthy tension where people start to push back、mm-hmm. early on in the process, and it's like, "Ooh, I didn't think about that. Let me think about addressing that." Is the population size really large enough for us to warrant this type of investment in it? And so you start having those discussions earlier across all teams, and really end up delivering better experiences to your customers. Yeah, and talking about learning, Bree, I was going to talk about your <laughs> learning agenda. Yeah. And how we can foster, you know, having discussions across cross-functional teams to have everyone on the same page. Yeah, and I think that it's really powerful to think about how consistent communication with your partners really drives that trust that makes it so you can move quickly as a cross-functional team. I would love to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about product marketing in 2022. Right, so many things are going on in the marketplace. So many things are going on globally. What do you think the biggest challenges are for product marketing in 2022? That's such a great question. I feel like、mm-hmm. it actually requires a lot of deep thinking, but、yeah. I try to provide my two cents. So, speaking of the challenges, I would say yes. Into it, we require a lot of testing, and we really emphasize on testing before we launch anything. However, there's only so much you can test, right? With a product that you want to go to market, you're probably going to test it within, for example, 300k audience. You really aren't going to test with the entirety of the customer that we have, right? Not to save as prospects.、Mm-hmm. So. 
For example, when we first launched tracking, we launched this APY at one percent, really thinking that customer will engage us at the level that we want. However, it just never come through. So there's really a level of testing that you can do, and when you really launch it to market, the scale of customers that you have overnight will just probably behave very differently from your test. So I feel like the challenge for marketing is yes, you do a lot of tasks, you do your best to get all the results you want, but also be willing to pivot when the reality really goes away from what you pictured and imagined in the beginning,、mm-hmm. and then pivot really fast. Yeah, you have to be. Yeah, you have to be open to the surprises and open to learning that what you thought was going to happen didn't happen. Exactly.、Yeah. Even even if you validate it through a ton、yeah. of tests. Just you know, don't get a hunt of all the tasks and say, "Oh, I'm so sorry that it didn't go through." But it's okay. You know, once you pivot fast, you can still have a very successful experience. So that's my take. And one of our principles of design for delight is to savor the surprises. So、mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Yeah, I love that. Being willing to pivot is a huge one, right? For product marketing, and I would have to say, even more so, probably from a product management perspective, as you're, you know, working with your developers and figuring out what's actually feasible within certain timeframes. And I will say, I think, you know, all functions have really experienced that in the last couple of years with everything we've gone through. But specifically, marketing needs to be really honed in on who our customer is and what changes are happening to them, and how, you know, we can be really agile to address that. And so, really. You know, being able to pivot and kind of make those go no go decisions is really critical、yeah. right now, and really testing and learning. You know, back to kind of Bree's learning agenda. I think that's always important to have and really be able to guide where you're going and the things that you need to learn in order to build those better, stronger tests and ensure that you're really chipping away at the right things. Yeah, the big takeaway when we teach about learning agendas is how important it is to be really clear about the question you have, because there's so many ways that we can learn. You can、yeah. learn by analysis. You can learn by rapid experiments with customers, right? And so often we can get really、um, attached to the way that we're going to go about learning, right? We're going to、right. go run、mm-hmm. an A/B test, and then we find out that we're not prioritized. Over some other tests,、mm-hmm. and so we have to. Yeah, but we're still responsible for the learning. We're still responsible for getting our confidence up、mm-hmm. on whatever experience we're rolling out. So I, I love that.、But、also, very important that we're not narrowing too quickly, which is why I really love, you know, how that learning agenda is structured in a way that it gives you room to like go broad to go narrow, and it、yeah. gives you the principles to help you, you know, checkpoint. I will second everything that has been said. I just think one of the biggest things that we do continually be cognizant of is if we've had two years of unprecedented change, and、mm-hmm. this year is going to be no different as we continue. You know, everything's starting to open up, and we're seeing consumer choices. How、mm-hmm. they're going about things are rapidly shifting again. So, a, t- a learning we had last year. Might be valid still. It might not be、um, yeah, as this、right. continue to change. And so I think what we've said about having a bias for action and really driving the change, but being super clear on what you want to learn and not just testing for testing's sake, becomes even more important year after year. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, Justin, you said something I love so much. It's、um, you know, even if you tested it a year ago, doesn't mean it's going to end up with the same results this year. And I think that that is something that is so true. And constantly, you need to kind of voice that in rooms, right, and make sure that people are kind of taking that new perspective because the customer is always changing, the market's、mm-hmm. always changing, and just because you did a test a few years ago that didn't end up with great results, doesn't mean it's going to produce the exact same thing today. 
or that even your products position from last year is still valid this uh, year. That's right. right? <laughs> <laughs> Got to be really keeping that pulse on the market. <laughs> exactly. Now, let us talk about, you know, capabilities. What are some of the core capabilities, you know, you need to be successful in the craft of product marketing? I know you all have probably hired product marketers. You've been on, you know, panels that have hired, you know, product marketers. So could you share, you know, some insights with us here? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that we've all said today, and I will continue to echo, but it's customer obsession, right? Really falling in love with those customer problems and wanting to start backwards from the customer to understand how we should be communicating to them and how we ensure that they really are getting that delivering or delivering the right message to them kind of at that right time and connecting them to, you know, the products, especially from a product marketing standpoint that we're over. And so I think that that continues to be a really critical one. Additionally, I think key is communication and collaboration with other folks. It's a very Mm -hmm. cross-functional role. And depending on organizations, you know, if it's, you know, like here at Intuit, we are very relationship driven. So really knowing kind of how to work with others and how do you kind of start, even if you don't have the same metrics you're going towards, how do you start to collaborate to identify something that's kind of that key metric you can both anchor towards and kind of set those goals together. And so I think that those are some of the key skills along with kind of structured thinking and really having that sound business acumen, which is huge. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, plus one to uh, what Andrea just said. I also have a very interesting POV is that a lot of us, we come from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So thinking about your position almost like a product, right? You need to find your unique value proposition that nobody else in the team can offer. And that will make you stand out and very different. For example, um, I had a client-facing consulting type of experience before joining into it as a PMM. So I'm good at like breaking down problems into structured ways. And I feel like that really helped me a lot in terms Mm -hmm. of convincing my cross-functional partners. And then I have another friend who's also a PMM, but he's from a more analytics-driven background. So he's able to do a lot of advanced analysis that nobody else can do. And he's almost this um, like in-house analyst within PMM that also makes him stand out when he's trying to convince other teams. So just think about your unique value prop is either convincing other people or using your password experience and really make yourself stand out. And plus one is all the skills that Andrea just mentioned. I feel like finding your unique skill set plus all of those traditional PMM required skills can help you grow a lot faster. Yeah. And I love the points that you all are raising. And that is why I'm excited that we have codified the way that we distinctively, you know, practice product marketing as a craft at Intuit. So there are different places you can actually play, right? There are different places you can bring your own unique value prop as a product marketer Mm -hmm. to life whether you want to play in the inbound space or the outbound space, you know, Mm -hmm. what part of, you know, the puzzle do you want to play in? So that's a great point you brought up, Jessica. I think there are two things I'd love to add into this, Ma, especially in in the time we're in, is that grit, I think, is critical Mm. for PMMs, for really any discipline. Being able to dive in and just keep moving forward, even with setbacks, even with new learnings, and really sticking to it. And the flip side of that coin really is creativity. And not necessarily creativity defined as like, I need to be the person who sees the most white space area for me to go Mm -hmm. and explore, but Mm -hmm. understanding that customer problem and then seeking different ways to solve it. 
and leveraging Absolutely. your background that Jessica talked about, rev leveraging the toolkit we have here at Intuit allows you to be creative, to help cr come up with new solutions and new ways to benefit your customers. Yeah. And that's, you know, all of these pieces coming together is what makes you that strategic marketing leader, you know, mm -hmm. that a PM mm -hmm. wants to work with. That's how you can really quarterback and really drive those exceptional business outcomes and delight our customers. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about the various skills that we need to have. We've also, Jessica, you talked about PMMs being kind of the quarterbacks. And so my question for you now is if you could only be one piece of product marketing for the rest of your career, what's the piece of it that you just love so much you will never, ever, ever let go of? Oh my God, that's a deep question too. You always ask deep questions, Brie. <laughs> um, that's tough. I would say the cross-functional partnership because yeah. for me, like my personality, I just I can't only do one thing. Like I have Love to it. see the bigger picture and do different things at the time. So yeah. like being able to talk to different people, getting their perspective and like understand what's going on in their mind and help me grow uh, because we all absorb different perspectives and then we bring them together and that's how the product experience is getting better and that's how we as professional marketers get better. So I think that's one thing I really love the best. Andrea, what about you? Yeah, you know, I I absolutely love the collaboration as well, Jessica. The other one I will echo is I, the positioning, right? All the fun that goes into figuring out those value props and really like, how do you actually ensure that you're putting the right ones in front of the right customers and really truly conveying that value and prioritizing them accordingly based on not only what they're saying, but what they're actually going to do and action. And then also kind of really understanding that market landscape. And so I think there's so much that goes into even figuring out the positioning and all of that fun stuff that that's something that I just really enjoy doing. And as we mentioned earlier and kind of joked about, it's not something that, you know, set it and forget it. It's something mm -hmm. that is constantly needing to be looked at. And so I just absolutely love that piece of it. Yeah. Justin, what about you? I'm interested because you, I'm sure there's pieces that you've kept tight grip on. There are. For me, it's really looking at everything with a learning mindset. It just provides such a wealth of opportunity to develop, whether it's a positioning, whether it's your value props, whether it's a product experience, and look at things with fresh eyes, continue to challenge yourself. Um, everything else is like an output of driving with that type of mentality and that type of curiosity and that type of rigor and enables you to just stay on the forefront of everything and get excited kind of each and every day about what you're doing. Let us talk about failing, but we call it learning, right? Yes. Not failing. <laughs> it's a learning journey. Yes. Can you share any big lessons you've had to learn the hard way so we can help our listeners, you know, avoid a misstep? I can totally take that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, me. <laughs> So you have to look at experiences that you're running, whether it's a marketing campaign or a new product test through different lenses. An example is we ran a test recently where quantitatively everything indicated it was a great test. It was a success. It was driving growth. It was not impacting our guardrail metrics at all. Are you saying it was a false positive? I'm saying you need to evaluate multiple data sources to get the whole picture. And as we continue to evaluate it, capturing quant data, doing interviews with customers, capturing video recordings, it became clear that 
while from a quant standpoint, everything was great, from a qual standpoint, it was not an ideal experience for our customers. Mm-hmm. And that learning was captured and we were able to align across multiple teams. But it did take really driving leadership to have a broader perspective across the company because we had competing product lines, we had competing decision makers to deliver at the end of the day, what is a great customer experience. And it required trade-offs and, you know, everything looking green. We roll out the new experience. One thing is great. We're allowing customers to do their desired action, which the experience didn't necessarily enable as easily as we wanted for the first one. But all the things that we thought were green and doing great turned immediately to red. And so at the end of the day, totally happy with the decision. We made the right one for the customer and the broader company, but it wasn't an easy one to make. And we wouldn't have made it had we not peeled back different layers and continued to evaluate it beyond just quantitative data. Yeah. Digging into the why you're seeing something exactly. is so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. That is a really great one. And also, I I feel like that's one of the learning lessons I had earlier on in my career, right, is not to resource things too heavily until you have more of those data points behind it. I think people get really excited sometimes, especially when you're more in the innovation side of the house, right, on like Mm -hmm. building out new capabilities and features. And how do you really, and of course, Intuit provides us with a lot of this toolkit with our design methodologies. But how do you test into that without fully staffing it up and resourcing it to make sure and kind of prove out the concept before kind of fully going in? And so I think that that is why, you know, setting up that learning agenda like we talked about earlier is so critical and being able to answer the right questions along the way so that you can truly understand how do we kind of continue to move the needle here and know that it will have product market fit, which of course doesn't always happen. And so it's at those points in time that you really need to figure out like, okay, maybe there's not product market fit because people are actually using this in a way that we weren't initially anticipating them to use it for. So how do we then now position it in a different way? Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's a lot of opportunities for you. I know we talked about this earlier, but to pivot that strategy and kind of take those learnings, I would never say failures, but to take those learnings (laughs) and really be able to apply them so that you can forge a new path forward. Yep. Exactly. Plus one to what Andra said, especially for the product market fit. There are multiple ways looking at it. One is potentially because the product itself is not working or because the messaging that you created is not working. So really laying out all the potential solutions and potential falls and analyze and provide solutions on each one of them. Every time we do A-B testing, I hate to say this, but a lot of times we do have a preference. Like we want things to go into A instead of B. So a lot of failures that I saw is that we haven't prepared for what's going to happen if we we see B. Mm-hmm. However, there are times we do see B. And then when you when things happen, you didn't really prepare yourself. It's a lot of the questions and problems you need to solve. And that really, you know, leave us in a pretty vulnerable situation. For example, in my product, uh, we're thinking to rename the product. And I thought, oh, customer definitely gonna love this three options that we created. However, they don't. So what are we gonna do? <laughs> we we haven't really prepared a fourth option. So that really leave us into the situation that I just mentioned. So really prepare yourself, making sure you think of both A and B, and then make the decision from there. I love that. Yeah, I love that you brought that up too. And I'm sure Bree's going to enjoy this. And that's why 
you should always have the mindset of not going to validate a hypothesis. You're going to mm-hmm. test it, totally. test mm-hmm. the hypothesis, you know, but sometimes we're like, let's go validate it, you know, so great point. And I talk to people all the time about how important that scenario planning is ahead of a test running to make sure uh, that you yes. know what you're going to do given the different outcomes. Because often to your point, Jessica, sometimes we don't even acknowledge that it's possible mm-hmm. <laughs> that our customers won't love the thing that we made. I love that. Yeah, we're drinking our own cool aid, right? Oh, yeah. We're moving real fast. <laughs> They're going to love it. <laughs> All right. I think it's time for us to close out. And so I have one final question. What is your call to action for anyone out there who's looking to transition into product marketing? What would you recommend as a, a place to start? Oh, that's such a great question. You know, I think there's so many resources out there now in terms of great books, along with, you know, there's different groups out there with certifications and also just a lot of available content that you can read articles and all of that. And I think that if you are at a company right now that has product marketers, start reaching out to some and do some coffee chats and connect with them and see, you know, what ways that, you know, you could maybe even start getting a sneak peek into what that work looks like and better understand um, how their day-to-day looks and all of that. Because I think that there's so much power, not just within your own company, but also even networking outside as well. And a lot of folks, I will say, on the product marketing side of the house are always friendly and happy to chat especially about product marketing. I feel like it's one of those disciplines (laughs) that a lot of people have passion around, including myself. And so I think people are always really willing to have those coffee chats and connect and kind of help you figure out how you can kind of take your craft to the next level or how you can even move into product marketing. All right, Justin, you answer. What's your call to action? My call to action would be taking a step back and being introspective about what it is you really want to do. And then looking across if it is If you think it might be PMM, look across the diverse range of what PMM covers, because more than likely you are probably doing a part of it and you can start there Mm -hmm. to get a foothold and then think about like, what gets me excited? What about my role? What about a future role? And start to unpack and kind of craft your own future and be like, these are the areas I want to go learn about. If you're lucky enough to be heard into it, there is an incredible wealth of resources to better understand PMM and the different areas that you can go and explore within it. And I think that is a really good place. I will second Andrea, like shadow people, talk to people, understand Mm -hmm. them. More often than not, you're probably working with a PMM if you're not in there. Talk to them, understand them, try to see the world, how they're working through it. And is that something that I really want to dive into? Great. There are those opportunities either internally to have those conversations. And there are opportunities often to take on kind of a project basis, almost as a stretch project in the space to really kind of dip your toe in the water and see if this is right for me. I feel like my recommendation of call to action, assume product marketing is really something you want to do. Definitely start to source some project opportunities within your organization and try to see if there's any chances that you can learn from those people by shattering them, by doing a stretch project with them. Mm-hmm. And then also making sure if this is the right thing for you. As I mentioned, I talked to my friends before and she's like, okay, talk to me about my your work. And I said, yeah, I need to talk to this and this about this. But I love that. And my friends was like, oh, that sounds horrible. I don't want to talk to a millions of people on millions of different things. So just making sure those are the right things for you personality-wise or capability-wise. And then if that's those checklists all you know check then maybe you can move forward and see what's out there it's perfect thank you so much 
Thank you all for spending time with us today. And that's it for this episode of Grow and Thrive, a call to action. We would love to hear from you. So drop us a note with feedback, questions, or ideas at a call to action podcast at intuit.com. And make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Grow and Thrive, a call to action is a production of the marketing and communications learning and development team at Intuit. Thanks for joining us.